Regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. As we uh, delve into the midterm election results from a uh, Second Amendment perspective. And I will say right up front that um, I think it was an okay night for gun owners. It was a pretty good night for the Second Amendment. Not not as good as we were anticipating, perhaps, and but I, maybe even a better night for the Second Amendment than it was for Republicans overall. Again, we'll get to that momentarily. Uh, before we do, though, this episode brought to you by Direct Bullion USA, the new gold standard of gold and silver dealers. You wouldn't let the swamp of Washington, D.C. take your guns, so why would you let them take your retirement? Visit directbullionusa.com today and start learning how to protect your financial freedom by requesting a free investment guide. Secure, protect, and diversify. Get started now at directbullionusa.com. All right, so let's, I don't even know where to begin. Holy cow. Um, let's start, I guess, with where things stand at the moment. Now, I, I, I'm recording this on a Wednesday morning, so there's still a number of races outstanding. Um, so this could change. But uh, as things stand right now, we, we, do know, we do know a couple of things, actually. Uh, and this was actually the first piece that I wrote at uh, Bearing Arms today, the fact that constitutional carry fizzled as a campaign issue for gun control advocates. Not a single governor who signed constitutional carry into law was defeated last night. I said that these uh, gun control advocates went 0 for 6. It was actually 0 for 7 because I forgot about uh, Governor Lee in, ten- in Tennessee signing constitutional carry. He won re-election handily. Uh, but you look at the uh, map of the uh, current uh, races here for governor. Chris Sununu winning handily in New Hampshire by, uh, I think, 19 points at the moment. Uh, down in Georgia, Brian Kemp uh, defeating Stacey Abrams by, looks like a pretty healthy margin of uh, six, maybe somewhere between five to seven points, I think is what the final total is going to be. Uh, Greg Abbott in Texas defeating Robert Francis O'Rourke by double digits in the uh, Lone Star State. Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma, uh, surviving what was thought to be a a very close election, turned out not to be uh, particularly close in Oklahoma. Uh, Let's see. Oh, in Iowa, uh, Governor Kim Reynolds, uh, winning by 19 points in uh, in her re-election bid as well. So again, oh, and down in Florida, Ron DeSantis, who has promised to sign constitutional carry into law next session, he also won by 20 points. Uh, again, for these governors who have uh, promoted constitutional carry, who have signed constitutional carry, uh, and the Democratic candidates who ran a campaign based on their opposition and their hostility uh, towards that measure, again, it was a clean sweep for the pro-constitutional carry governors. Not a single one was dislodged. In fact, it wasn't even close. Now, gun control advocates will say, yeah, but you know what? The same thing happened with uh, with with, with uh, governors who support our agenda, right? Kathy Oakle won re-election in New York. Michelle Luan Grisham won a re-election in New Mexico. Uh, Josh Shapiro won election in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and that's true. Um, however, I would note that with the exception of Pennsylvania, 
uh, which is sort of a different animal all on its own. The margin of victory for all of those anti-gun governors was actually a lot smaller than it was four years ago. New York, for example, uh, 2018, Andrew Cuomo won by 22 points. Looks like Kathy Hochul is going to win by mm, four to five over Lee Zeldin. Uh, And more importantly, um, because the gap narrowed uh, compared to four years ago, Republicans are actually in a good chance to pick up several additional House seats uh, in the state of New York. It's a similar phenomenon to what we saw in Virginia last year, actually, where you did see this red wave. um, But unlike New York, where Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one, Democrats didn't enjoy that same sort of voter ID advantage in Virginia. And so that red wave swept across the Commonwealth and it put Glenn Youngkin into office as governor, Winston Sears as lieutenant governor, Jason Meares as attorney general, and Republicans took back the uh, House of Delegates. Uh, That phenomena, I think, continued to some degree in Virginia last night. Elaine Luria in Virginia's second district uh, lost to Republican Jen Kiggin. So Republicans did pick up a seat in Virginia. Abigail Spanberger hanging on for a a four-point win in Virginia's 7th District. That was a a closely watched race. Uh, And in the uh, 10th District uh, up in uh, Northern Virginia, the uh, Democrat Jennifer Wexler ended up holding on by about five points or so. Again, I think we're seeing that same sort of phenomenon at play in New York. It's just it's, it's showing up differently because the Democrats have a bigger advantage. Uh, so again, Hochul wins by four points compared to 22 points for, uh, for governor Cuomo. Um, but again, there are some house seats in New York that I think are going to fall into Republican hands that would not have done so if there were not evidence of some type of red wave, uh, just not a wave big enough to uh, crash over these deep blue states. Uh, speaking of the House, by the way, as of right now, NBC News does project that the GOP will take control of the House of Representatives. They're, they're calling it 220 uh, GOP, 215 Democrats. They do say there's a margin of about 10 seats on the other side. So Democrats could run the table on almost all of these outstanding races uh, and, and narrowly hang on to a victory. Um, but I really don't think that that's going to be the case. I think we are looking at GOP control of the House. Uh, albeit uh, with not a huge margin uh, for Republicans. But if you're a gun owner, you don't need necessarily a huge GOP margin in order to block gun control bills from getting to Joe Biden's desk. So, uh, again, a lot of races still outstanding, but uh, I think at the moment things look pretty good for Republicans taking control of the House. The Senate, a little dicier right now. Um, looks like Georgia's going to a runoff. Ron Johnson narrowly ahead in Wisconsin. That would get the GOP to 48. Uh, Adam Laxalt right now narrowly ahead in Nevada. There's still a lot of outstanding vote from Clark County, but uh, Laxalt's actually doing a little bit better than expected there. So he could eke out a win. That would get the GOP to 49. Uh, in Alaska, uh, it's either going to be uh, 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 Lisa Murkowski or, um, oh gosh, I always end up mispronouncing her name, but uh, Kelly Shibata, I believe, is uh, how you pronounce it. So that should get Republicans to 50. And then the question becomes, what happens uh, in Georgia? Uh, It is still possible, I think, for Republicans to uh, take control of the Senate. 
Uh, but it is also still very possible that uh, Democrats end up uh, with that 50 seat majority with uh, Kamala Harris casting a tie breaking vote. There were a couple of ballot measures uh, before voters when it came to the right to keep and bear arms on Tuesday as well. And again, it was a, I think, a, a good night for gun owners, although perhaps not a spectacular night. Um, in Iowa, a ballot initiative to enshrine the right to keep and bear arms in the state constitution, as well as to instruct courts to consider gun control laws with a strict scrutiny lens. I predict this would pass by about 20 points. I underestimated support for Amendment 1 in Iowa. With about 99% of the votes recorded, Amendment 1 is leading by 30 points, 65-35. And there are only two counties in the state where right now opposition to Amendment 1 is in favor. One of those counties, uh, I think it's Scott County in the middle of the state there, uh, opposition ahead of support by a couple of dozen votes, and there's still some some outstanding votes left to be counted. So it is possible that uh, when all of the votes are tallied, there is just one single county in Iowa that said, no, we don't, we don't want the right to keep their arms in our state constitution. I mean, again, this just passed handily. In fact, it drew more support last night than Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds did. And Kim Reynolds ran away with her re-election. She won by 19 points. But again, you had a significant number of Iowa Democrats apparently crossing over uh, and voting for the Democrat for governor and then voting yes on Amendment 1. That's really good news. Unfortunately, we are seeing that same phenomenon to a much smaller degree at this point in Oregon where Measure 114, right now, with uh, most of the vote in, uh, about uh, two-thirds of the vote in at this point, it it is ahead by just 9,000 or so votes, 50.33% to 49.67%. Now, if you want the positive spin... This is much closer, again, than it should have been in a state like Oregon, given the state's progressive bent. I got to tell you, and, and by the way, the nose could still eke it out. I, I, I would say it's not the likeliest of possibilities, but it is still a possibility. Um, what is clear is that this is not going to pass with anywhere near the 60, 70, 80, 90% support the gun control advocates claim to have. For their, you know, quote unquote, common sense, reasonable gun safety measures. That that's not the case. Um, what remains to be seen, though, is what has kept this so close. Uh, right now, it looks like it's more massive turnout in uh, the non-Portland areas of, of Oregon, uh, but you still have Multnomah County, for example, breaking about three to one in favor of Measure 114. And I was really hoping to see that number go down. We do still have some outstanding ballots. As a matter of fact, it could be next week before we learn what happens with Measure 114, because as long as mail-in ballots were postmarked on Election Day, they can be counted as long as they arrive before next Tuesday. So again, given the tightness of the race, this one, I think it's possible it goes to a recount. I think it's also entirely possible that, again, we don't know the results uh, until perhaps next Tuesday. But there will be more uh, mail-in ballots coming in uh, this afternoon. 
and we'll see if those margins in Multnomah County go down at all. Uh, I, I, I think it's a little premature to declare Measure 114 to have passed, but I, I will admit that right now it has a better than average chance of a winning out. If that happens, there are a couple of things to keep an eye on. First, the inevitable court challenge, uh, which will come. I mean, when you pass a gun control measure that mandates firearms training before you can even own a gun, uh, imposes tens of millions of dollars in unfunded mandates to law enforcement, uh, creates a de facto waiting period for those who want to exercise their right to keep and bear arms. I think it's going to be really hard for a lot of the provisions. Oh, and by the way, and you ban commonly owned arms like quote unquote large capacity magazines. I think this measure is going to have a very difficult time standing up in court. But I also think that if Measure 114 passes and is implemented, there's going to be a lot of buyer's remorse on the part of some Oregon voters because the devil in the details are going to be revealed here. And they're going to see that, oh, wait, this was supposed to make us safer. <laughs> violent crime's not going down. It's like, the, it's, like, it's like the violent criminals aren't paying any attention to Measure 114, which is exactly what's going to happen. This is a gun control measure that is aimed at people who want to obey the law. This is a measure that is aimed at people who want to exercise their rights within the confines of the law. This isn't aimed at carjackers or home invaders or drive-by shooters. Quite the opposite. <laughs> this is about restricting those Oregonians who want to protect themselves from violent criminals. Uh, and while the pro-Measure 114 side had a lot more money to spend convincing voters that uh, this was a reasonable, common-sense measure, if this passes, and it's implemented, I don't think it's going to take long before a lot of Oregonians realize they were sold a bill of goods and their lives aren't any safer, their neighborhoods aren't any better, and violent criminals are still in charge in uh, far too many communities, uh, particularly around Portland, Oregon, where the uh, measures enjoy the most success. So we will keep our eyes on Measure 114. We're going to be talking about uh, that, I think, over the next couple of days. Um, if you need any more evidence that the Second Amendment fared well last night, despite the uh, a midterm spin from the gun control lobby, I'll give you one more data point. Take a look at what happened in Uvalde County, Texas. Now, again, Greg Abbott defeated Robert Francis O'Rourke, hands down, right? Looks like the margin of victory is going to be at least 12 points, maybe a little bit more. Robert Francis O'Rourke spent a lot of time in Uvalde County. After the shootings at Robb Elementary, Robert Francis, a work member, uh, uh, went to this public safety briefing where Greg Abbott was and basically heckled him, right? Interrupted this. How dare you? We need more gun control laws, right? I mean, he made that play. Not only for the votes of uh, gun control supporters, but specifically to the Uvalde community. So what happened on Tuesday night in Uvalde? Greg Abbott defeating Robert Francis O'Rourke by 22 points. Yeah. Uh, now, again, there are, there are still some outstanding votes, but uh, with 95% of the expected vote total in, I don't think that uh, percentage is going to change dramatically. And that means that Greg Abbott actually performed better in Uvalde County than he did across the state of Texas. You know, there were a lot of News stories before the midterms, I think NBC News had a big piece about how gun control uh, has uh, and the gun control movement 
uh, could impact the governor's race in Uvalde. And it didn't. Uh, If anything, Robert Francis O'Rourke's proclamation that he would protect the public by making it harder for them to protect themselves did not resonate in a community where a lot of folks are still grieving and mourning lost loved ones, where the gun control debate is certainly happening. Uh, But it just seems like the prohibitionist argument is losing out by wide margins. Uh, So we're going to be talking more about the midterms, again, at Bearing Arms throughout the day. In fact, uh, my colleague Hot Air's uh, Ed Morrissey and I are going to be doing a special uh, open to the public version of our weekly VIP Gold live chat. Now, that will have taken place by the time this gets posted. But if you go to BearingArms.com, you should be able to access that on demand. I'd encourage you to check it out. Uh, And I would also encourage you to become a VIP or a VIP Gold member if you have the opportunity. Uh, Not only will you be supporting the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism we do here at Bearing Arms, but... We're going to give you a lot of exclusive content, analysis, news stories, live chats with uh, folks like Ed Morrissey and myself, uh, and a lot more. And uh, this really is important that we have your support, and I certainly do appreciate it because it does allow us to bring this type of reporting and analysis that you just simply don't find, frankly, in a lot of uh, media outlets. All right, so that is going to wrap up uh, this particular midterm edition of Cam and Company. I do want to leave you, however, with a one-armed citizens. We'll get back to our uh, recidivist report, our good deed of the day tomorrow, but I would be remiss if we did not include at least one armed citizen story. So this is from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, One killed, another injured in alleged self-defense shooting on Sycamore Road in Tuesday, uh, on uh, Tuesday. Uh, And it looks like this was a perhaps a domestic violence incident. Police say 49-year-old Dontrell Booker was uh, shot and killed early yesterday morning. 20-year-old Zion Lacey was taken to a local hospital with non-life-threatening injuries to his leg. According to police, Booker, who is the boyfriend of Zion Lacey's mom, allegedly got into a fight with Lacey. Investigators say that uh, Booker actually shot Zion Lacey first before Lacey was able to retrieve a firearm and shot back. Uh, Booker was pronounced dead of the scene. Investigation is still underway. No charges have been filed at this time. And again, it looks like this will be ruled a uh, justifiable homicide in a case of self-defense. We'll keep our eyes on that story, bringing more any details as they become available. In the meantime, thank you again for uh, tuning into this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Be sure to check out the website. We've got a lot more reporting to talk about uh, from the midterms and beyond including where the gun control lobby goes from here and what is next for Second Amendment advocates as well. So again, you can find that and more at BarionArms.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow with another edition of Barion Arms Cam and Company. Until then, though, be well, be safe, and be free.